back in 2018, uh, one of the world's leading scholars and a man who is in rarefied air, at least in in my book, uh, as a historian, Edwin Black said this. This is 2018. Today, I come not just to mourn or scorn, but rather warn our world. This world of today's whose memories are still whistling and bristling with the torments and tribulations of a generation now passing before our eyes, but also for the world of tomorrow and the day after, pulsed by a generation whose torments and tribulations may yet be in store. The outrages are audible and just over the horizon. But in many cases, the horizon is speeding towards us like an unstoppable tsunami preparing to crash. What he spoke to me about a few years ago is happening today. And he knew it was coming because he's a student of the past. You really need to hear this interview as I reintroduce you for long-term listeners to Mr. Edwin Black, a very brave historian who has fought all the battles already. Edwin Black joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Timeshare Termination Team is, they're the people that are going to help you. I mean, you know, if you purchase a timeshare in the past expecting vacation in sunny Hawaii or south of France, and you end up, you know stuck in arkansas i mean it's a real place it's lovely but anyway what happened is you we didn't learn beforehand about timeshares and if you didn't know about them you know you're doomed to buy into them and the cycle of maintenance fees and all the other associated hassles that just keep going and never end people often tell you there's no way out and there's very few ways out um unless you have the best team who really knows the law and can get you legally out of your timeshare. It can be done. In fact, the timeshare termination team uh, will get you out uh, 100% guaranteed. It's a money-back exit guarantee. It's timeshareterminationteam.com. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Get this monkey off of your back. Call 888-GET-YOU-OUT, 888-438-8688, TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. The author of IBM and the Holocaust... It, which is a must read a book that you should have in your library in paper in paper also war against the week which is the definitive book uh on eugenics his name is edwin black uh and i welcome him again to the show hi edwin how are you sir good morning glenn how are you i'm very good thank you as I always say at the beginning, every time I talk to you, thank you for all of the work that you have done. Thank you for not forgetting uh, and indeed looking at the parallels to root things out before things go awry again. Thank you. Um, when, when we spoke a few years ago, we were talking about, I was very concerned about 
depersonizing, uh, depers- uh, uh, depersoning people. I don't even know if there was a term for it at the time. And you said, yeah, it's digital ghettoization. And that always stuck with me because that's exactly what it should be called. And it's exactly what's happening today. And you warned about it. Can you tell me what that means and why you saw that coming? Well, the problem has grown even graver since you and I spoke. I was sitting in, I was standing in the rotunda of the Michigan State Capitol with the governor on a Holocaust Day ceremony when I coined the phrase, the algorithm ghetto. Mm. And the and the algorithm ghetto says that we will now be in a position where we can scream from the rooftops and no one will hear us because our means of connectivity has been disconnected by the Facebooks, by the Twitters, by the Instagrams and all of these groups. And now we have seen this has suddenly come into play, not within a matter of weeks or months, but almost overnight, the crush of censorship that is coming upon people. Not only will they be um, uh, shadow banned, not only will they um, uh, not be able to hurt from their uh, heard when screaming from their rooftop, the rooftop has now been taken away. This is a dire matter. It's been years in coming. Everyone has seen it coming. Some have not quantified it like I have and, 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 and like you have. But it is going to intensify every week until we will be in a brave new world that no one wants to visit. The next step after Amazon has figured out it could turn off your servers the next step is for the two companies that make the phones, Apple and Google, the Android, to cut off your phone service. I don't know if that's coming next week, next month, or next year. But once Amazon has figured out that they can turn off your servers, and maybe they'll turn off yours one day soon, and maybe they'll turn off mine, we are marching down the long, dark road. I looked up some history the other day as I was looking at the silencing of voices. When Hitler took power in 1933, the Nazis controlled less than 3% of the 4,700 newspapers. During the first few weeks of 1933, the Nazi regime deployed the radio press and newsreels to stoke fears of a pending communist uprising then channeled popular anxieties into political measures that eradicated all civil liberties and democracy. The stormtroopers and members of the Nazi elite paramilitary formation, the SS, took to the streets to brutalize or arrest political opponents opponents, and incarcerate them in hastily established detention centers and concentration camps. Nazi thugs broke into opposing political party offices, destroying printing presses and newspapers. Um, this happened at a breathtaking pace in germany and quite honestly i look at the news of the day just today uh trump has just declared a national emergency for the inauguration um they're talking about all kinds of controls uh and if something goes wrong 
God forbid, this thing is going to come down. The curtain will fall so fast. Nobody will have any idea uh, what to do or what to say. It'll, t- it'll be breathless. Do you agree? Well, um, just to add to your insightful commentary, uh, the group in Germany that did that was the stormtroopers, was the SD, the Sturmabteilung. And it was accomplished not only by the Sturmabteilung on, uh, on the street, but a commissar was placed into every, immediately uh, after January 30th, 1933, a commissar was placed Im- immediately into every newsroom, every radio station, and indeed every organization. So they had a complete grasp of what was going on and a complete control of every aspect of humanity. You don't you don't need that anymore. You have these algorithms. I mean, that is that's right. You don't need the guy in the brown shirt in your office saying, let me see that dispatch. We now the brown shirt is now lurking in cyberspace and we need to understand to where we have come. Now, it, was not, it, w- it would not have been possible for Hitler to succeed to the extent that he did without the um, uh, continuous day-in, day-out help of IBM, which I yes. covered in IBM and the Holocaust. But now we have new technology firms, billion-dollar firms, firms that can almost not even be controlled in any way, shape, or form. And um, uh, we are turning a very, very dark corner. And it would be impossible for any knowing person to accurately describe what lies ahead. And in fact, historians will have a hard time um, uh, identifying what actually occurred because we've now entered that part of 1984 where people are erasing the history and replacing it. Yeah. In real in time. Real time. Um, Edwin, I, 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 um, I want to quote something that you said. It was up to IBM, the solutions company to organize all six phases of the Holocaust identification, exclusion, asset confiscation, ghettoization, deportation, and even extermination. With its advanced punch card technology, IBM knowingly conducted the census to identify the Jews, religious or not, made the railroads run on time, and pinpointed Jewish bank accounts to seize. Every concentration camp had its own IBM customer site. The infamous Auschwitz uh, Auschwitz, uh, tattoo began as an IBM number before it morphed into other serial systems. They, first of all, they... They were just doing business and, you know, you got to do business with everybody uh, and no judgment at all. You know what? We're not responsible for anything. Then after they denied this for a long time and really tried to destroy you. But you had all of the evidence uh, and your book, IBM and the Holocaust, is absolutely an amazing work. Um, but is there a difference between IBM and the potential of google and facebook that potential of google and facebook has already been tested in china uh what ibm did as you said 
was uh, it uh, systematized and organized all six phases of the Holocaust. Now, I don't wish to compare the Holocaust in any way, shape, or form to what is happening today. But look at what IBM did uh, in Nazi Germany. One, phase one, identification. Well, everyone is already identified here. Phase two, exclusion. We have now seen what exclusion looks like, and the curtain is just raising on that. Confiscation. Well, that's just another word for pauperization. You could also use the word demonetizing, uh, deplatforming. How many people have said we're out of money? So after that, um, the next step is ghettoization. Now, no one here is going to be shipped into a ghetto, but we have to ask ourselves, in this country, have people been uh, um, uh, put into concentration camps? Have people been um, selected for domestic deportation? Well, we know it happened with the Japanese in uh, uh, in World in World War Two, and in my book War Against the Week, in the latest edition, I reveal how in Connecticut, the Carnegie Institution had um, conspired with the governor of Connecticut, Wilbur Cross, Mm. to do a door-to-door survey, and I know eugenics is one of your specialties, Mm -hmm. uh, to do a survey of every citizen in in Connecticut. They started in a town called Rocky Hill, Mm. and they would be ranked for their eugenic or racial worthiness and those who did not measure up, which was thought to be 99%, would be deported to some place in the Ozarks until that was just um, too much. And uh, uh, when they got overcrowded, they were working on methods of mass murder, which they called extermination. I actually uh, wrote a, um, quoted the document the planning document. It was just oh my gosh. the circumstance of an election that this was not carried out, but they did start it. And this was done by the Carnegie Institution, by the state of Connecticut, and by the governor of Connecticut, and it began at Rocky Hill. And their purpose was not o- only to um, deport, domestically deport, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of residents of Connecticut, but then to deprive them of their money. Remember, the Japanese were deprived of their property. Right. right. Uh, deprive them of their assets in Connecticut, and when they were just too crowded uh, for the camps to continue, eventually to exterminate them. And the word they used was euthanasia, which is mercy killing. Yeah. Under the theory that they um, didn't uh, have a good life. Under the theory They were doing them a favor. They were showing mercy by relieving them of the burden of being on planet Earth. So, Edwin, I'm going to take a one-minute break, and then I want to come back and ask you, what have you learned from history that can help us today? Violence is certainly not the answer, as we know from the Reichstag fire. It will only accelerate things. So what have you learned? What should we be doing today to be able to not repeat the mistakes of the past. In one minute, back with Edwin Black. (sighs) Man, you just have to hang out with me because I'm a barrel of fun all day long. Um, All right, here we are. 
When Trump was inaugurated on January 20th, 2017, the Dow closed at 19,732. Today, at the end of his presidency, the Dow is at, what, 31,000? I don't have it sitting up. Come on, switch. It's about 31,000 right now. Is it going to hold? I think it's going to take a crash, uh, a bad one, a reset, um, if you will. But I could be wrong. I've been wrong on the timing of things for a long time. But in the past two years, Janet Yellen has made $7 million in speaking fees from the same corporations she's about to wield immense power over. Uh, You want to talk about the ultimate insider. uh, And she is talking about uh, printing money like it's going out of style. Please call Goldline. Please learn how to get 6% free medals for self-directed IRA accounts and for their most popular graded $5 liberties. These are the ones that I buy. Five free half-pure bullion silver coins with a box of 20 of them, all with the um, counterfeit gold market that's going on in China. This comes with... Goldline's certification, an independent certification by recognized grading companies. So you know what you're buying. 866 Goldline. I've trusted these people for, gosh, almost two decades now to handle the things that I want to do personally. Please call them. Uh, they're waiting for your call now at 866 Goldline. 866 Goldline or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Edwin Black, welcome back to the uh, program. You can find him at edwinblack.com or you can uh, follow him online at Edwin Black Book. Uh, so what have you learned from history that can help us and guide us now? The only thing we can learn from history is that those who have not been uh, enlightened about what has happened before and those who Uh, are not opening their eyes will be led to demise. Now, I am deeply concerned because there are so many potholes ahead and people are driving right into them. Many people are shocked. I, unfortunately, and I really regret this, I am not shocked. Uh, I regret that I uh, am not wrong about any of the predictions in 2019, uh, um, I openly predicted there might be something approaching in a, a second American civil war. I repeated that last year and several weeks ago, I had a show on the Edwin Black show devoted to what could cause an American I saw second civil war. And what would it be? The number one feature would be an attempt to exact revenge on half the country, on 75 million Americans. And we, and we see this happening at an accelerating pace. And the only thing that I could advise people is what I advise my closest friends and family. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Watch for what is happening. And do not be surprised. And think of history before you make a move for your future. 
Edwin, uh, gosh, I wish it was more fun to talk to you uh, because you're you're fascinating. Um, you're you, I, I trust you. I know how careful you are on the Holocaust, um, you know, to make sure that you never, ever um, diminish that by comparing today to that, etc., um, and so I, I know how careful you are and I know what you have battled through to be able just to <laughs> have a voice. And I, I so appreciate it. And I hope we talk again soon. Um, look in history for me about peaceful, uh, actions that we might take and we'll talk again soon. Edwin, thank you so much. His name is Edwin Black. He is a host of The Edwin Black Show. Two books must have in paper, not digital. War Against the Weak and IBM and the Holocaust. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, uh, my Rectech grill. I will tell you that we're using our back porch now as some sort of a wood shop. And uh, I went to the uh, Rectech yesterday, and it had about two inches of uh, wood dust on it. And I thought, well, you know, now I can set the outside of it on fire as well. Um, it is, it's saving us as we don't have a kitchen or anything else. Rectech grill is it's just so good. And they, um, it has a, uh, a thermometer that you can put in the meat, and it will tell you exactly when it's done. It is just really, really, really good. Uh, and I think it's the best buck, uh, uh, best buy for your buck. I want you to A-B compare them. They are not, they cut out the middleman, and that allows them to take the money they would have given to like a Home Depot and put it back into the grill, and it's just great. Go check it out for yourself at Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q, with a Q at the end, dot com, Rectech.com. And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Special going on now. 30 bucks off with the promo code Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We welcome Rachel Brevard on with us. She is the Senior Director of Policy Conservative Partnership Institute. The co-author of the book, uh, Conservative, Knowing What to Keep. Uh, I, she's really, really good at looking at where we are in the political landscape and where do we go from here? So we wanted to get her on. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. Um, let's just talk about the political landscape here for a second. Um, you know, there's a national emergency that has been declared by the president they are trying to impeach the president. The reason why he, in case you don't know this, I know you do, but in case the audience doesn't know this, the national emergency it revolves around uh, this big, uh, you know, carry your guns to the state capitol uh, next week and, uh, and surround your state capitol and come armed to the inauguration. I mean, it's just a horrible idea that will end with the Second Amendment being decimated. Uh, if God forbid there's any problems. Um, tell me about the political landscape and where do conservatives stand right now? And then we'll move forward. 
Well, I think you have a couple of things going on here. You know, the first is obviously that the violence at the Capitol was appalling. And I think, you know, those protesters failed at their goal. And the, and the result will be to marginalize a lot of the voices that I think yep. have very legitimate aims. And, you know, but I think that speaks to a broader point, which is that, look, I think while we should not condone what happened at the Capitol, we should denounce it. We should still seek to understand why uh-huh. thousands of people, you know, drove to the United States Capitol, spent their own money, you know, to to bring legitimate, legitimately held feelings of disenfranchisement, of, you know, grievance about how their politicians were not representing them. The majority of those people were not violent. And I think it's incumbent upon the Republican Party and Democrats as well to understand what it was that drove those people. Well, because, I, look, I, I said sorry, uh, I said on Wednesday night there are many reasons that need to be explored, but there are no excuses for what happened. But there are many right. reasons, and we have to talk about those reasons because they're only making things worse. That's right. And that's where I think you see now the opportunists in the, on the Democratic side, in Congress, in the, in the media, at, in, at levels of corporate power, basically using what happened as an excuse to do what they've always wanted to do, which is to silence their opposition to silence any meaningful debate or trying to understand what happened, trying to find a clear way forward. They want these people out of public life and they're going to use every lever of power that they control to do so. And that is going to serve to just inflame the situation. um, And it's going to bring more destruction, more marginalization at a time when we need to be doing some deep thinking about why this happened. So is there any moderating force at all in the democratic party? I mean, Yesterday, I hear, oh, it's time for healing and coming together, and we're going to give, you know, the stimulus package to everybody except white men. And I was like, (laughs) what are you doing? What are you doing? Is there any moderating factor at all that we can count on or that we can hope for? This is the scary thing is that it's very hard to point to any moderating influence at this point because you have politicians big you know democratic politicians now working in tandem with corporations and the news media so we're not just dealing with a political party here we are dealing with an operation of collusive power to try to silence you know a group not just individuals but entire swaths of the american people because they hold views they don't like there's a reason that michelle obama didn't go to congress to say shut down this rhetoric she went to big tech she made a public appeal to mark zuckerberg to eliminate political opposition Same with Joe Manchin, did the same thing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tried to get Twitter to remove her previous tweet supporting protests. Okay, this is the level of collusive power that we're seeing, and it's dangerous. Okay, so let's let's stop there for a second, because you've just written a really great article on Section 230. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that look now at uh, the conservatives and they're like, you guys haven't done jack. You haven't done jack on any of this stuff. But they're kind of in a rock and a hard place because we don't want more government regulation. That, I think, is what Mark Zuckerberg wants. They want more regulation because they'll help write the bill. Section 230 is kind of this unicorn out there that we're all hoping, you know, that, you know, pigs can fly and wishes are horses, that this will stop and uh, and turn things around. Do you believe in Section 230? Is there anything we can do that can stop them that won't bite us in the ass in the in the uh, in the end? So 
So I think the conversations around Section 230, you know, were useful and instructive because it is a government subsidy that goes to these industries. But to your point, I do think it presents a lot of challenges. And I think at this point, it's almost child's play. I think we've almost moved beyond Section 230 for reigning in big tech. I think we've seen how powerful they are. And I, if I, I'm on the right and I'm screaming for antitrust enforcement after okay. what there, those companies have done to is, Parler and other alternatives. Is there anyone on, I mean, I know Elizabeth Warren wants, you know, harsh regulation. Is there anyone that's proposing anything on the left that we, that is acceptable to us that you have seen? So I haven't seen anything on Section 230 that I think from a conservative perspective solves any problems for me. I think yeah. it's probably worse. Um, but I do think there is some bipartisan cooperation on antitrust. And I'm not suggesting a politically motivated enforcement. I'm talking right. about using the laws that we have on the books. Because remember, antitrust enforcement is law enforcement, right? right? It's not new regulation. It's saying, is there are there laws being broken in the market? If there are, we should prosecute those. We don't tolerate amnesty in any other area. Why should we tolerate it You know, for big tech? And so there is some cooperation on that point. Congressman Ken Buck from Colorado is a Republican, a conservative member of the House Freedom Caucus, has really taken a leadership role on this front. Um, he doesn't agree with some of what Democrats want to do, but he has proposed areas where I think Republicans and Democrats can work together. Because, look, these companies are now changing our democracy. They're changing the way that we live together and interact. They're changing who can speak, not only that, but who can hear. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is having dangerous effects, I think, on how we live as a free society. So there has got to be action on this front. And I'll tell you, you know, one other thing about antitrust. I don't have a problem in theory with companies deciding who speaks on their platform, right? That the companies do have First Amendment rights in that regard. The problem I have with it is that Facebook isn't doing it for 20% of the world. They're doing it for 99% of the world. Yes. And that is a problem that I think needs to be looked at. And so antitrust can play a role here. I think Republicans have to get serious about it. So there is a uh, internet um, company, North Idaho Internet Provider, um, and they have now banned. Uh, they've now banned Facebook and Twitter from from their services. So they're not they're not carrying those. They're blocking them in northern Idaho in the Spokane area. And immediately, uh, Twitter and Facebook said, you can't do that. And they said, well, wait, we're a private company. We can say if you can say this, why can't we say this? I mean, I would love to see a, I'd love to see a bunch of Internet providers do this so we could go to court with it. Um, but is there a difference between this that that you can think of? Well, this is the double standard, right, that exists uh, for tech and for everyone else. It's not just ISPs, right? It's tech doesn't isn't subject to the same liability that newspapers are, that other First Amendment actors are because of Section 230. They occupy a privileged position in, in many ways. And I think the hypocrisy that you're pointing to here is that, you know, ISPs, to a certain extent, operate like common carriers. To, you know, it's, it, they can discriminate, but it's very difficult for them to do so. But again, you have Amazon Web Services, which is almost de facto a common carrier at this point, yet they don't have to operate by the same rules. And that is something I think that is going to be a point of debate um, on the right in the months to come is have these companies risen so powerful and become so, uh, you know, the scale is so large that they now sort of control the public square. If that is true, should they be subject to some sort of responsibility, liability, compliance, responsibility that they aren't now? 
Um, and that's, I think, going to be a question that's going to be posed to the right in, in the foreseeable future. Um, let me let me ask you a very um, important question. And if you're not if if you have any doubt on on uh, being exact in your language on this, just pass on the on the answer. And I accept that. Um, Rachel, I am. I'm very concerned. Uh, I, I have to every day come on and um, and talk to people who are very angry, justifiably so, see their country being torn apart, see what could very well be the beginning of what happened in Venezuela. Um, and and they want to do something. There are forces uh, on the right and the left and the fringe that say it's revolution time. It is not revolution time. But what can the average person do? What, what I mean, they feel like they've run out of options. Well, I agree with you that it is not revolution time. And I say this having spoken to people that have come from countries that have recently undergone revolution. Yeah, it's and we horrible. do not want that here. It's Correct. awful. Uh, you know, so I do not endorse that in, in any way. But I feel I feel for them because I think a lot of us feel like our voices are not being heard. But at the end of the day, our politics is what needs to save us. Our politics, our process of government, our self-government has always been how we have worked out these problems. It fails when we don't debate. It fails when we don't vote, when we don't have a forum to air these concerns in a, you know, self-government representative way. Mm. I think Republicans take a lot of blame for that. When you shut down and you dismiss your voters, you aren't giving them the voice that our republic demands. And so I think we need to rely. We, we cannot lose faith in our political system. We have to demand debate. We have to demand deliberation. We have to demand representation. Well, that is that really doesn't mean violence. This, this <laughs> that doesn't mean armed insurrection. That correct. Demanding it rhetorically. This is going to be incumbent on the Republicans. They have to stop hating their own voters they have to stop dismissing them thinking that they're a bunch of local yokels um and they have to realize who they represent and talk to them in real terms uh it's 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 really going to come down to them uh and i hope that we have some leadership that understands that do you think do you see it on the horizon because i don't see it anywhere well, I think you're absolutely right. The Republican Party has a huge problem in the fact that it despises its own base. And that is, you know, again, our elections have to mean something going forward, because, you know, if we can vote these people out, our republic still matters. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. Rachel, thank you so much for a uh, uh, for a difficult conversation that needs to be had. And I'd love to have you on uh much more often here in the future we need to have a dialogue and and look to the future and see what we can do thank you thank you you bet uh i want to remind you that tomorrow at uh 9 p.m eastern time on blaze tv i'm doing a uh, wednesday night special on the administration the incoming administration who's in the cabinet it's not good, and no one is talking about it. Uh, you need to know who is in this administration, what they're good at, what they are known for, what they believe in. That is tomorrow. Um, I said earlier on this program, 
politics are not the answer. Uh, changing people's mind is not the answer. Changing people's hearts is the answer. And I'm trying to balance a two-pronged approach here. I've got to keep informed on politics and what's going on, and we will do that. But we also need to look to the future on a different tact, and that is the human heart. Tomorrow, the head part. Tomorrow, we're going to look into this administration, and you're not going to like what we found. Uh, but we will do it tomorrow at 9 p.m. only on blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. If you're not a member, I urge you, I, I implore you to join us now and please help the team. We are on your side uh, and go to blaze.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and you will save 30% on your uh, subscription right now. Okay, our sponsor this half hour is Relief uh, Factor. Relief Factor, it's Yvonne and her husband. They live in California. Oof. And, you know, as they get getting older and you live in California, uh, sometimes, you know, life catches up to you and aches and pains. And Yvonne and her husband were not immune from these. It started slowing them down and bit by bit, day by day. They were less and less able to get around and live the active lifestyle that they wanted and were used to. So they tried a different approach all the time. They were, what can we do? Get rid of the pain. And nothing seemed to work. Fortunately, these two Californians, why they're Californians still, I don't know, but they listened to the program and they heard me talking about Relief Factor and how it had helped me get my life back. They were so desperate, they gave it a chance. And they found, after just a few weeks, freedom. They found the life without aches and pains. They got their life back with Relief Factor exactly the way I did. Please try it if you're in pain. Don't give up. Try it. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. Why would you do that unless it works? The three-week quick start is nineteen ninety-five. Try it. ReliefFactor.com or call 800-583-84. It's 800-583-84. It's ReliefFactor.com. On tomorrow's broadcast, we're going to talk a little bit about something that is very dangerous, completely understandable, and we've all gone through it. I mean, after 2016, I really stopped watching CNN. I stopped watching Fox. I, I just stopped, and I just you know started listening to the news and podcasts and everything else. Um, but I, I will tell you that uh, I just had dinner with a new friend of mine, and he said, you know, I stopped listening to all this stuff, and my life is better. And I said, I completely understand that, but you're now in a new world. You cannot afford to not know what's going on because it's happening way too fast. And I want to talk to you about that on tomorrow's broadcast. Tell a friend, we are going to approach this situation differently than everyone else. This is a matter of mind and heart, and we are going to try to address both of those things. We'll see you tomorrow.